To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. We've previously talked about how the global head of aluminium at Rio Tinto, Ivan Vela, is in New Zealand. He seems to be on some sort of charm offensive. Business Desk has just had its first interview with him and the managing editor, Patrick Smalley, is with us now. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Evan. What does he mean that it's that 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 uh, TY is very unlikely to ever generate material value in its own right? Well, what he what he's basically saying is is that um, TY Point Smelter, if you look at the cost of making aluminium across the whole world, uh, sort of in the middle of the pack, and at the moment the price of aluminium is only it's probably only just about break even. Uh, so the price is a bit depressed. Um, a lot of the time, uh, it will be even, you know, over the last 10 years, the smelter has made very little money in its own right. I've been trying to think of a good analogy, though. You know, the thing is, Rio Tinto mines bauxite to make into aluminium. So it's a little bit like, um, it's, not, it's not a perfect analogy, but imagine if you had a cafe with one of those really expensive espresso machines, those sort of vast bloody things that sit in the on the counter there, you know, they cost a lot of money. They probably don't make any money in their own right. But if you've got a, a constant supply of coffee beans uh, then and you don't have a coffee maker, then you're not going to make any money making coffee. Mm. It's a bit like that with the smelter. It's, it's you know, it's part of a supply chain. So I don't totally buy the argument that we have to worry too much about whether the smelter is perfectly profitable in its own right. It's part of a highly profitable global business that, uh, Rio Tinto runs. So obviously they need a price that isn't completely ridiculous um, but uh, at the same time and at the same time I think what they're saying is we we do have a different stance now on the smell. We would like to keep it running as opposed to spending all that time pretending that we don't want to. You know, it makes sense for a company that's that's trying to improve its reputation globally for having you know blown up a 46,000 year old uh, Aboriginal um, <laughs> sacred site mm. to to switch its story to be part of the decarbonisation um, solution to climate change, blah blah blah, uh, which is what aluminium is going to be part of. I mean, it's a, it's a lightweight metal that conducts electricity really well, and we're moving to electrify the whole global economy to the extent that it's possible to do so. So Quite they want strong... they want it to be part of that. Yeah, quite strong words from him to say that we are des- we desperately want to keep the smelter running. Yeah, and what really struck me in the in the interview, just he only did one interview, and he was in New Zealand, and it was with Business Desk, and he um, he basically said, when we look around the world, we don't see a lot of countries pricing carbon the way that New Zealand is. We see a lot of countries doing what uh, the United States is doing, which is basically creating all kinds of incentives, which you know, if you're going to be mean about it, you call them subsidies, to get heavy industry to stay or come in. Uh, and to decarbonise that way. Mm. And the bit I don't quite buy in the argument is he says, well, you know, the ultimate outcome of that pricing carbon versus having incentives is you're going to to have less carbon in in your economy as a result. What that ignores is which is the more expensive thing to do, to price the carbon or to give the incentives. And it seems to me that that, uh, you have to know how much those incentives really cost before you know whether there's actually the best thing to do for your economy. But at the same time, if you, I guess what he's saying is if there's no incentives, 
it makes it a lot harder for us to strike a deal in New Zealand. And New Zealand is not a country that's tends to do incentives. So there's, there's this kind of war starting up now around climate change investment and climate change uh, friendly industries yeah. where those industries are expecting governments to, to pay for them to exist or to attract them to exist. It's it's just, it's like the same old arguments we've been having since the 1970s yeah. and 80s and around the different forms of protectionism, except that climate change is in the mix now as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad you could see right through that, Patrick, actually, and, and, and put us in the good good side there so we can understand it as well. Patrick, appreciate your time. Patrick Smelly, business desk, totally lost my words there, didn't I? If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.